Boss battles and party games are strange to say the least. Fundamentally, the two concepts don't necessarily show any signs of going hand in hand. With party game design being predicated off of easily accessible control schemes and elements of game balancing for fairness, these games at their core are built off of their pick-up-and-play nature to a wide audience. Meanwhile, bosses are often used as pillar moments in a game's progression, typically to serve as a point of review on the prior elements and tactics that the player has learned up to that point, ultimately feeling much more like a skill showcase than anything. So when the Mario Party series brought up the premise of boss battle minigames back in 2012, it was like stepping into no man's land. Now, bosses weren't an entirely new concept of the series. In fact, final boss fights had existed since 2000's Mario Party 3 on the N64. But this new minigame hybrid style split off from their design in some interesting ways. And that's why today, I want to take a peek at the iconic franchise's latest attempt at the design on the Wii U's Mario Party 10, and see how these cross-purpose design choices work, and if they're even a worthwhile addition. Hey all you party animals, I'm Skip the Tutorial, and this is Boss Battle Breakdown, a deep dive into the ins and outs of boss design. And hey, if this is your first time here, make sure to roll the dice on that subscribe for weekly insights into your favorite boss fights. Alright, so taking this premise, what would happen if we decided to lean more into the party side of these games? I mean, heck, it's in their title after all. Well, I believe that when the design goes that direction, we end up with something akin to Petey Piranha's Bomb Battle. In this brawl, players are tasked with bombarding the giant plant monster with an onslaught of colored bombs in order to lower its health. And on a surface level, this minigame does hit on our earlier conditions for party multiplayer design. With a basic control scheme centered around physically lobbing the bombs with the Wii Remote that plenty of newcomers would be able to grasp in a moment's notice. The flow of the fight isn't too complex either, with the concept of throwing lots of bombs to get lots of hits and ultimately make the boss's life bar just go down. The fight conveys its purpose faster than a traffic sign, and this shines through with the fact that the bomb-throwing face-offs here yield fairly close scorecards. But I would argue that what makes for sound party game design in this one doesn't echo through to a solid boss fight. On top of the inherent ease with the minigame's mechanics, the challenge increase on Petey's side doesn't go far enough to push for a skillful takedown. Since the primary obstacle comes from not lobbing bombs during his breathe-in and spit-out animation, there's not much of an element of skill required for success in this game mode. Heck, even the cutscene-prompted second phase adds little more than cartoon anger bursts around the boss's head. All in all, I think it says something about the fight's design that you could replace Petey with an inanimate object and it would play out exactly the same. There's just not enough weight put on the boss side. Okay, so if the multiplayer-focused route doesn't pay off, then how about taking the idea and running it straight toward the opposite end of the spectrum? With that, I think we start to see a boss battle playing out like Mega Monty Mole's Maze Mischief. Except, hopefully dropping the tongue twister naming convention. Featuring a control scheme evocative of that seen in other Wiimote 3D platformers, such as Mario 3D World, the button layout does come across as easy to understand, but not quite as intuitive as the motion-centric stylings of our previous fight. From here, the players are tasked with running through waves of shifting maze layouts where point rewards are given out based on the time to complete. And from the second that the players are given control, it's made obvious that this is a much more individualized minigame, complete with split-screen and all. The result of this means that you're not really considering your competition, except for when it comes to collision box block-offs within the walls of the labyrinth. With a fail-state based around not completing the maze in the given time, and the fact that the second phase bomb stands solely to eat up the time of the unfortunate, this fight comes largely back to a focus on the individual's skill and mechanical understanding. And oftentimes, I'll be the first one to praise these elements in boss fights, but within the concept of this game series, I'd argue that it doesn't make much sense. For the same reason these fights can't rely too heavily on the accessible multiplayer side, Monty Mole's Maze proves that you can't drive too far away in the other direction, as you could very well lose the equality through chaos element that's a staple in the series. 
Since both alternatives don't seem to work out for these fights, what happens when we take a look in the middle ground? When it comes to that, I think we're looking at a minigame like Mega Cheap Chomp Shellshock. Following the flow of both of our previous examples, this battle plays out as players land shots on the giant fish in order to whittle down the foe's health bar. But here, the design brings up some interesting secondary conditions. For example, while the controls stay basic with a simple press of the A button, the challenge comes from the central aspect of timing. You see, each shot nets one rotation on the boss, and whoever the poor soul is that the fish lands on after the given round, they become a delicious snack and lose some of their hard-earned points. There's also a limitation on the number of shots you have each time through, so you and your trusty green shells get locked into this interesting game of chicken where you either go for full points out the start but play into the hands of fate, or stash away for defense and risk missing out on points. Now I think this brawl in particular serves as an interesting compromise between the two elements of design, where the boss plays as this key obstacle that players need to consider not only how they use, but how their friends use it too. And because of this blend, this doesn't feel too individualized or overly random in how you handle the fight either. So is that it? Just follow Cheap Chomp's boss design closely and we've got a stellar party game fight? I still wouldn't say so, because each of these examples have a particular shared bit of design that I've had yet to talk about, which overall tips their entire balance. I'm talking about the final hit system, where the player who receives the final blow on one of these baddies scores an especially large amount of points just for netting some good timing. And as you can imagine, this can drastically change the last minute results of a match, like pushing the third place lackey smack dab in first. Now don't get me wrong, this is a compelling mechanic that allows for some hilarious emergent stories as some friend groups lose their minds over a last place victory. However, I strongly believe that this one feature holds all of these situations back from being good boss battles by shorting skill for good party game experiences. Overall, was this a worthwhile experiment for the Mario Party series? I think so. And I believe that in some cases it made some interesting strides toward bridging the gaps between these two schools of game design thought. But in the current state of these fights, I can't say I'd recommend that other party games follow in this path. Say we ditch the final hit system, and make sure to keep multiplayer relevant while still pushing for some skill-based rewards, then I think there's promise for the boss minigame genre. And with new Mario Party games looking to go back to the series' roots, I just hope the designers over at Nintendo don't simply leave this concept as only an unfortunate misstep in the franchise's history.